the fact that that technology works is not enough for people to trust that technology because trust takes time. And I think there's there's a, a very nice example. When elevators were invented in the, in the 19th century, they had a pilot. They had an, an elevator operator that would press the buttons. And it was an extremely easy operation, but people needed to feel there was someone in charge, someone that took responsibility from, for that trip from the ground floor to the fifth floor. So elevator operators were usual until the 50s, which is almost 100 years after the invention of elevator. Because to build trust in, in a technology, you need a record of consist, consistently good performance without any major incident. In today's episode, CX Insider invited Sergio Feo, Director of Customer Experience at PBank, who's going to tell you how PBank became one of the top banks in Spain with the highest customer satisfaction. We will talk about earning customer trust, building relationships, and how having a strong value proposition can help you achieve that. So enjoy the episode and let us know your thoughts on LinkedIn. PBank is a digital division of Banco Pichincha in Spain. This brand was created as a response to an increasing number of consumers who fully adapted to self-service channels. Since its launch in 2018, PBank has become the third bank with the highest customer satisfaction. We talked to the director of customer experience at PBank, Sergio Feo, and asked him to tell us the story of their success. In the next 15 minutes, Sergio will walk you through their mission, vision, finding their customers, and he will explain how all these components enable them to deliver great customer experience. Going back to 2017, when the initial idea was born, Sergio, unlike his colleagues, did not have any previous experience in the banking sector. P-Bank is it's a very interesting and, and young brand. It was born in in 2017. That's when 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 I I became part of the project when Begoña Martinez, which is the general manager of PBank, uh, she put together a, a management team formed by a product manager, a marketing manager, and me as a customer experience manager. So the fact that that customer experience had such a, a relevant role in the in the management team was was I mean I was aware that it was very unusual. But Begoña herself had been previously a customer experience manager for for another bank, so customer experience was yeah was at, at the very core of the bank from the beginning. In my case, unlike the rest of the team, I had no no previous experience in banking. My academic training is in in design and communications, uh, and I spent many years in in, this, in the design consultancy business. So to a certain extent, I consider myself a designer who works in a bank. Actually, I mean, uh, even even though design has a, a, it's something that has a very slippery definition. My my favorite de- definition of design is that it's what happens between a person and an object, meaning something created by humans. So it can be something bidimensional like a like a poster or three dimensional as an object or something more more complex or even non-tangible as as, as services and, and and organizations 
So my work is on, on that experience you know, between, between, in this case, P-Bank and, and our customers, either with a more functional or oper- operational perspective, uh, like right now, or with one more focus on the, on the whole experience. But, but yeah, that, that's, that's basically my, my background. Because of that background, I, I cannot help having a view of, of customer service and customer experience that pays special attention to the to the the cultural uh, the cultural perspective and social perspective and and also to the cognitive process you know like like how why people behave the way they do and and why and, and that I think that's a shared view in in P-Bank. An immediate question that I thought of when I first heard of P-Bank and its purpose in providing banking services to consumers who want self service technology is. What's the value of a physical branch anyway, especially in their case? We, we, we have five branches, uh, which are in, in some of the of Spain's uh, main cities, which is Madrid, Barcelona, Valencia, Zaragoza, and Bilbao. In my opinion, I mean, going, going back to this, this idea that you asked me about the branch of the future, if there is a, a branch of the future, it should encourage a cultural change proposing a different relationship with customers. So how does that materialize in P-Bank? The, the branches of P-Bank are a space where the team of P-Bank shares the same, the same sofa and the same screen that the customer has at home. So it has, I mean, it, it, it recreates the same layout and interaction and dynamics that you might have with someone whose good judgment you trust friend, for instance, or, or a relative, with whom you might sit by his or her side and you would both look at your laptop to see if, you know, if he can give you good advice about financial products, for instance. In P-Bank branches, you don't make transactions, you find information. And it is the place where the customer goes to look, listen, and where you can build a trust that eventually is the, is the basis of our interaction with When Sergio and his teammates first started putting together their value proposition, they also needed to envision their target customer, aka persona. For this task, they hired a couple of anthropologists to conduct research and help them find the right customers. If I go back to the to the the very first day, there we were, you know, a group of people that that you know had to we had to to build up a brand from scratch. And of course, the, the very first question is what for? Uh, why people need another bank? Uh, so it's it's very easy to be tempted by the idea that, that you are needed <laughs> and take that for granted. But that's not necessarily the, the truth. So the first thing you, you need to answer is why do people need you? And most important, what do people need, need banks for? And what do people need money for? So, so what we felt that we needed was to, to ask the right questions to, to, to other people. And that's what, uh, what we decided to do. Uh, so first, we gathered people in, in informal meetings to ask them these this kind of questions. And later, we would do a more structured research and, and interviews. Uh, and we, at some point, we also collaborated with, with anthropologists to understand digital banking customers in Spain. So they found 
that is very interesting. They found three main profiles. One of these profiles is what we or they call the expert. That is someone who is uh, knowledgeable about financial world and likes to have control and detailed information, information and spends the time that he or she needs to make the best decisions. Um, the second profile is someone that looks for advice. So usually this person relies uh, for financial decisions on someone he or she trusts, like a friend or relative. And that typically it's an, it's the so-called expert, you know, is that that kind of person. And the third profile was uh, what we call the amateur. That is the majority group, actually, of, of customers. And this, this kind of, of, these people is not particularly fond of banks. They only need banks for the important things of their lives, you know, such as, as, as achieving their goals and spending more time with their kids and family and the, the good stuff of life, you know, whatever that means for, for every person. But uh, that's what they need you for. So for that, for us, that was a, a, an extremely valuable insight because that was going to be the, the, the target of people. As a challenger bank starting from scratch, winning customer trust is hard. You have a great product and years of experience, but trust has to be earned. Sergio talks about how major decisions and essentially everything they do should reflect in their value proposition in order to earn trust of their customers. I would not dare to say that it's unique, but but it's our value proposition for sure. I think that we we want to be the the a partner that our customers can trust to focus on the important things of their lives. And that requires that basically requires offering good products, easy to understand, and if possible, among the best three of their category. So I mean, if, if we are going to be that partner that they can trust, you need to build trust. You don't, of course, you don't, you don't uh, take it for granted. You have to earn it. And trust requires transparency. And transparency requires simplicity. That's, for example, the reason why we have one product and not many of each category. Because if you are trying to do the, the best product, it is unlikely that you will have five products of that category. Because... Maybe four of them are not the best, you know. So uh, that that philosophy of simplicity is is absolutely correlated to transparency and eventually trust. So there's there's an example I always use because I think it's it's a it's illustrative. When we launched our first product, it was a, a payroll account. We had to decide uh, whether we would charge for using ATMs or not. So we decided not to charge for using ATMs. So in this case, the sentence ATMs free of charge doesn't need a second lecture. Which ATMs? Any ATM. Where? Anywhere in the planet. Uh, so wherever there is an ATM, PBAN customers can use it for free, period. Of course, that's the, the sunny side of that philosophy. Sometimes decisions will require giving up on certain things, which is painful. But these will be always transparent, honest decisions. And in my opinion, that's how you build trust. You build it little by little, 
and being consistently transparent and, and simple. Further in our conversation, after speaking about building trust and keeping things simple, I was interested how these values manifest in technology and innovation. As a digital bank primarily, how do they tackle the challenge between technology and building trust? Technology. For us, technology is at, at the service of people, uh, not, not the other way around. And while this is, of course, it's obvious uh, for everyone uh, and for every company, it is very easy to lose perspective because uh, you have work, things go fast, and, and it may happen. Uh, for instance, we would not implement chatbots right now. And there is a good reason for that. It's, it's not that, that we are against uh, chatbots, which of course we are, we are not. The reason is that, as I, as I said, Pibank is about building trust, and trust takes time. And of course, we could choose to use chatbots for what we could consider low-value interactions. But for other cases... Trust is key. And when you're receiving attention on any channel, uh, feeling that the person in the other side really cares, it's a very powerful thing. So a technology that, that works, the fact that a technology works, is not enough for people to trust that technology because trust takes time. So for instance, nowadays, I think no one has enough confidence on, on self-driven cars as to prefer a self-driven car to a car driven by themselves. Even though we are awful drivers, because we are, I mean, compared with a machine, we are awful. But trusting self-driven cars will take time. And I think there's, there's a, a very nice example. When elevators were invented in the, in the 19th century, they had a pilot. They had an, an elevator operator that would press the buttons. Uh, and it was an extremely easy operation, but people needed to feel there was someone in charge, someone that took responsibility from, for that trip from the ground floor to the fifth floor. Uh, so elevator operators were usual until the 50s, which is almost 100 years after the invention of elevators. Because to build trust in, in a technology, you need a record of consist consistently good performance without any major incidents until it becomes ordinary. Then you know what to, ex to expect. And for instance, today when we get in an elevator, unless you have uh, <laughs> fear for elevators, you don't expect nothing to happen. You know exactly what to expect, expect from that experience. So the fact that something works doesn't mean that it works for the people. So perception and trust are key. And while chatbots might work for low-value interactions, uh, for more important stuff, uh, you want to feel that someone, that there is someone who cares and, and takes responsibility. And we all know that a chatbot doesn't care, even though it works, of course. And I think this is okay. I mean, mistrust, eventually mistrust is an evolutionary tool something that, that kept us alive for millennia. But in the other hand, is the fabric of social life. And, and, and I think it's our most valuable asset as a brand. 
I hope you liked this episode and if you did, please don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe on your preferred channel or did I forget something? Yes, follow CX Insider on our LinkedIn page and I will see you in two weeks.